0: so that more of us can live a healthier and happier life. Now, let's get into the episode. Welcome to the Genius Leadership Podcast. You hear my co-host for today, my daughter, Maya Liebel, who woke up from her nap a bit earlier than planned and who sat with me very silently and well-behaving Uh, for the rest of the episode, but we also prepared some audio surprise for you somewhere in the middle of the episode. So listen carefully to find that um, little Easter egg hunt thingy uh, there and um, send me a timestamp and what the sound is via email or LinkedIn. Email is info at com, or find me on LinkedIn and send that message. And the first person who guesses right, both parts, the the time and the uh, nature of the sound, will get a 50 euro gift card for Amazon shopping from us with Maya. Yeah, Maya? Yeah. Do you want to say anything to people? Mm, No. No? Okay. Then enjoy the episode and see you on the other side. Hey, genius leaders. It's been ages since I recorded a solo episode for you with some teaching and this is exactly what is happening today. I'm really happy that it's finally the time for that because I have quite some ideas noted on what I want to share with you in the coming weeks. So let's just get going with the first topic. Today I will talk about the concept that has really helped me change my mindset. So it was probably the biggest mind shift in my life. It sounds a lot. Like a like a big promise, but I think that's really how it is. The impact of this one concept implemented and integrated in my life has been helping me a lot on the way ever since I implemented that around a decade ago. And that concept comes from the book of Stephen Covey, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. So I took probably around two and a half years, if I'm not mistaken, for that one book to read it one time-ish. So this might be a topic for another episode, but I'll just um, explain that right now. I do think we swallow the self-help and self-improvement books way too much, too quickly, without giving ourselves time to implement those things. And that creates a lot of stress on ourselves because we know so much, but we don't do the damn stuff. And this was the idea of mine just when I started reading those books, and at some point I has decided to take a challenge of really taking time with one book. And it happened to be Stephen Covey's Seven habit, Habits of Highly Effective People, which I decided to read one chapter or one habit at a time and really integrate the learnings from it into my life before going to the next chapter. I would... Each and really be curious about what's next, but I would really discipline myself to go through the learnings, integrate them truly in my life. And when I felt like, yeah, it's working right now, it's part of how I think, how I behave, then I would reread the chapter, redo the exercises or assessments, depending on uh, which chapter it was, and decide, yeah, I'm ready for the next habit. And then I would take that habit again or the next one. So it took me a lot of time uh, to go through it so that I would really implement the things. And the circle of influence, the concept that I want to talk about today was in the first chapter and it really landed home for me. So if you don't know about the circle of influence, uh, Mr. Covey is talking about that we all have concerns. So you can imagine that everything that concerns you, something that really makes your, your mind, occupies your mind or makes your, your heart beat faster or slower. Those are your concerns, and you can put them all in a huge circle. And the thing is, a lot of those concerns are nothing you can do about. For example, if you are sad that there are discriminations and injustices on the global level, or there are still kids dying from sanitary issues somewhere on the African continent, you can be concerned about that, but you cannot change the state of things on the global level. Yes, you might help by donating to some organizations, by maybe being a volunteer and promoting some awareness about the issue or becoming a consultant or coach or whatever it is on that topic. So there are things you can do and you can influence. By that, you cannot really affect the whole global scale of things quite often. And plainly, there are some things that you are just completely out of your influence. So for example, for me, I'll give a personal example. I don't have the best relationship with my father. And I'm sad about that because it's my parent, and you never know for how long your parents are around. And if I can really put my hand on heart and say to say that if my mom is gone today or tomorrow, I have nothing unsaid with her. We have come to that part of a relationship with with her. With my dad, it's not the same, and that is partly because of his personality and his worldview. I will never agree to his worldview, and I'll never agree to. I don't know, sync with that, let's say that way. So for me, my father's life and maybe the relationship of mine and with him and relationship of my mom with him are my concerns, but there is nothing I can influence in there. So part of that big circle of concern, so a much smaller circle, is our circle of influence. So those are those concerns that we can do something about. And as I said. It could be part of that concern of yours on a global scale. So for example, for me, a war is going on back home in Ukraine. It's a concern of mine, for sure. Can I stop the war on my own? Heck no. Can I do something? Can I influence something about that war? war? Absolutely yes. And those are small things that I do. By donating, by sometimes sharing the information, by being open to discuss it with whoever wants to ask me, because sometimes people start asking and then they catch themselves like, oh, I'm sorry, this probably is so personal or something like this. And I'm happy to do that because if people have curiosity, I might help them to make that up their mind on how to help or whether to help in the first place to people in Ukraine. So there are a lot of things I can do. If you pay attention to the show notes, there is always a link to the support organization through which I donate most of the time. It's a Initiative by our president Zelensky. So there are a lot of things that I can influence in the state of war back home in Ukraine, right? So this is an example of what the difference is between the circle of concern, the bigger one, and the circle of influence that is the smaller one. And when I read about that part in Kovi's book, it was 2013, 2014, exactly when we had the revolution of dignity back home in Ukraine, when Russia occupied uh, the eastern regions of Donetsk and Luhansk in Ukraine, and when they annexed Crimea, and that was the period when I would drown in the news. And I'm an empath. I I really feel the stuff. I have weird examples of when I felt the emotions of people across thousands of kilometers, and vice versa when people who are like me um, managed to deal with my stuff without knowing <laughs> that they are doing that. So. It's a a bit of a woo-woo side of of me. But that was really dragging me down and getting me in really bad patterns mentally or my state or space mentally. Because I was reading a lot of news, I was feeling for people back home, my family, uh, friends, people who would go to the East uh, as volunteers to fight in the army to protect our country and whatnot. And I just felt so powerless. And I read this first habit chapter of Kobe's book, and this concept of circle of influence, just stroke, it, it really landed hard or strongly on, in me because of my dedication to really implement things as I read. So I decided I'll not read the news. And I remember what was the last drop. It was actually when the uh, KLM Boeing was shut down in July 2014. I clearly remember where I was sitting. Uh, we were backpacking with my husband, now boyfriend then, in Peru for several weeks. And we were sitting in a hostel in Huacachina. Uh, it's a desert oasis, oasis town. And I was sitting at that computer reading the news. And I was just completely smashed. And I realized I cannot be like that. I am focusing too much on my energy. I'm wasting too much of it on my circle of concern outside of the circle of influence. And I decided that reading news is the circle of concern, but now it's the influence. And I stopped. So I haven't been reading news for nine years now. Of course, there are small exceptions. When the full-scale invasion happened last year, I was hanging on my phone and my laptop reading news all the time. And I'm not talking about that I'm completely uh, living under the rock and I have no idea what's going on in the world. But I figured out my strategies, how to do it in a mindful way. So first and foremost, I'm still on social media. So I see how people are posting about different news. And whenever I see something that might be of interest to me, I don't go and start Googling the news because it's breaking news. And most probably the headlines and information will be a lot of material that is designed to trigger emotions. And I don't want someone to trigger emotions for their needs, as in to get me <laughs> stay longer on the news page, reading something, being in fear because that's what pays for their advertisement. So what I do is usually I ask my husband in the end of the day, like, what's going on with X? And once the issue has settled a bit and there is more proper information, then I would go to some more proper, quote-unquote, news outlets and read a more extensive explanation of the topic. And then we would discuss it with some friends of mine or my husband. So this is my strategy on staying on top of some things, but still living under the rock enough to not drain myself too much by just consuming the clickbaiting material. So with this example of my 2014 decision, I just want to give you some insight or backstage of what it has meant for myself. As I said, I do care about the situation in Ukraine, whenever it is, whichever stage it has been in the last decade. and. When I realized that reading news is not constructive and I'm not creating any impact or any change by that, I stopped reading the news. But I still had a lot of passion about the topic, about Ukraine, about the well-being of people there and so on and so forth. So I started looking for how can I spend my energy, this energy, this passion, onto something else within the circle of my influence. And that led me to doing different projects to promote Ukraine. I wanted people in Sweden where I lived then to see Ukraine from a different perspective, to not only hear about it in the context of either our protection actions against the aggression of Russia, or in the context of Eurovision. Because those are the two things that people heard about and thought about when they heard about Ukraine. And I wanted to change that. So I started organizing or promoting Ukrainian culture. And I decided that films are the most effective way to do it. I wanted to do it through art, doing some art exhibitions, but it was just very difficult logistically and very expensive to bring art from Ukraine to Sweden to make art art exhibitions. So I landed on the movies because one picture can say more than a thousand words, right? So twice I organized uh, film festivals, Ukrainian film festivals in Gothenburg with four to five screenings. The first time I had uh, directors coming to Sweden to present the movies and have the Q&A sessions after the screening. And I kid you not, people were shocked when they would see the movies and uh, they would ask us, did you really shoot that in Ukraine? Is this Ukraine? It looks like some magic place on some fantastic islands where people go for destination, uh, kind of travels. And we're like, no, this is actually Ukraine. Ironically, one of the movies was shot on the beach that was just next to the blog post of the Russian militaries on the entrance to Crimea after they annexed the peninsula, so showing people that there was life there, there is beauty to protect, there is a lot of culture. there are these young, ambitious people who are creating this beautiful art that you have just enjoyed for two hours, it was very mind- altering for those people. Some of them have this. And by those people, I mean, attendance to the, hi, Maya. (laughs) My daughter just woke up. So I guess I need to continue with you guys later on. So my daughter, Maya, woke up and she's sitting on my lap now. She promised to be silent for the rest of this episode. Uh, Let's see. I'm recording this while um, Maya is on her summer holidays. We are sharing the holiday and work time with my husband. So back to the story. By them, I meant the participants or the visitors of the screenings. Some of them have decided to go to Ukraine for their next vacation, meaning that they brought money to my country. They saw it. They became the ambassadors of my country. And that was thanks to me not wasting my energy on reading news and instead putting it into creating these film festivals. I also created a newsletter at my current uh, then workplace because people were coming over to me, those who knew that I'm Ukrainian, and asking, like, how are you? What is going on? It's so confusing to read the news. We don't understand what's going on. So I would do a weekly newsletter and send it out to those of the colleagues who wanted to get that information. And I would hold a weekly lunch meetings when people would just grab their lunch and come to a meeting room and I could answer their questions. I would show them some snippets of videos or whatever content they would probably not reach because of the lack of language. So those were the things that I could do because I had the energy instead of reading news to actually di- direct it into something that I could influence. And this is an example of how you can choose where your influence lies and how you can actually work on the concerns that you have in your life. And I know that might be triggering with this particular example of news. I have one a client who usually reads between seven and nine different news outlets on a daily basis. <laughs> And I remember his face when I told him that I don't read news. He just couldn't process. It was a couple of seconds of complete silence. And he was like frozen as a stone. And he was driving. We were going uh, somewhere together. And I just thought, do I need to take over the steering wheel? Because he's gone. I really was a concern. It was a concern for me. He was just processing that. How can could he have all those deep, thought-provoking, mind-shifting conversations with me? while I'm not reading the news. And that's what I want to emphasize. We believe and we don't question a lot of things that our society promotes, which actually do not add a lot to the value, a lot of value and a lot to the quality of our life. For me, it's news. For someone, it could be social media. For someone else, it could be uh, partying and having all the social interactions, including alcohol or whatever it is. There are so many things that we don't question and we just take it a status quo. But you can actually break that status quo and be okay. And you can still live a good life without that. I'm fine with telling people like, oh, actually, I don't read news. I like under under the rock. You need to update me on that. Or say, I don't read news. And this part of news or piece of news that you're talking about, I honestly, I'm not interested in. So it's fine. I might, how would I say? Some people might be disgusted by that or something like this. And I'm fine with that. I don't need to be liked by everyone. Those people who value me, they'll get it and they might not agree and they might not apply that in their own life, but it will be fine. We can still have beautiful conversations and help each other be better humans. So I'll just stop at that. I'll challenge you to look at your life with those two diagrams and maybe even do this as in a written exercise. Take a sheet of paper and draw those two circles one much smaller into the big one. The smaller one is the circle of influence and the bigger one is the circle of concern. And start writing down things that are your concerns, thinking whether there's something you can influence or not. It was the same for me with the pandemic when it it hit. A lot of my clients had anxiety. They had difficulties sleeping because they would watch those news in the evening. They would get bad bad sleep and then they would wake up in the middle of the night at 3 or 4 a.m. And what would they do? They would again grab their phone and read the same news that provide anxiety and and trigger all the negative emotions. And I just forced them to stop that, to get the phone out of their bedrooms and whatnot, to keep their sanity and to focus on what they can influence at the moment instead of just being in panic and fear about the global situation. So find those things that you could maybe work on. So find those things that you could be maybe working on. And... uh, So that you can refocus your energy from the concerns to the circle of influence. And if you want me to hold you accountable, share in a message on LinkedIn or in the email at info at analibel.com what you would like to work on. I'm always happy to support my community and hold you accountable for the things that you have identified by listening to this episode. So I hope you'll do this exercise for yourself and take some action because I know how much energy you can create and generate and direct into something beautiful and impactful by doing this exercise. So hope you enjoyed this episode and let me know how it goes for you. See you next time. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Genius Leadership Podcast. If you enjoyed the conversation, hit the subscribe button. Please rate, review and share to help more people discover the show And become the better leaders. For more conversations about living in your zone of genius, connect with me on LinkedIn. Genius Leadership is an honest conversation about leading yourself and others. And it is my honor to be a guide in overcoming everything.